I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the Power Platform Show. Today's guest is from Microsoft. It's amazing chat we had around the growth of the Power Platform. Sit back, grab your coffee, beer, whatever it is, and take a listen with me. Today's guest is from Seattle, Washington, of course, in the United States. He works for Microsoft as the product lead for Microsoft Power Apps. He's a maker at heart. You can find him on Twitter at RC underscore says. Welcome to the show, Ryan Cunningham. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's great to be uh, to be here. It's awesome that you're here and to have this conversation because I think there's growing momentum in the community around, you know, when organizations want to really commit to the Power Platform as their platform of choice. But before we go there, just give us a quick update around family, food, and fun in a COVID world. <laughs> the, three F's. Yeah, well, the three Fs. Yeah, the three Fs. So, so I've got. Uh, I've got... Uh, note, note. I didn't add a fourth F. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's yeah, a whole it's different. A PG, right? That's a whole different yeah. podcast. This is a family-friendly yeah, exactly. podcast. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've got uh, I've got uh, two little ones. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a seven-year-old who uh, is in in the second grade here in the U.S. and I have a four-year-old who's in uh, uh, preschool. And so, gosh, the last eighteen months have been an adventure. <laughs> like I think. Yeah. Everybody's had an adventure of some kind, and parents especially, I feel for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, we've been through every uh, different iteration of configuration, including uh, hosting a, a little uh, COVID kid pod here at our house that for nice. several months had uh, run rampant with many children under the age of seven, <laughs> which just was, yeah. it was, you know, honestly awesome to have uh, kids around during the day and be able to hang out with them, but sometimes a little bit crazy and off the wall. But yeah, now now kids are kind of getting back into school cautiously. We're kind of trying to navigate that whole uh, thing. That heavily, you know, impacts, uh, I guess, what's the other? Food and fun, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, lots of, you know, we, we do our best to still keep the food front interesting, but man, sometimes nice. logistics went out. But uh, we've been doing a lot of apple-related things recently. We have an apple tree that has just borne a, a insane amount of fruit this year. <laughs> so we've been desperately nice. trying to to keep up with it. Uh, we baked a whole bunch of pies this weekend. So uh, wow. anybody in the Seattle area, come on over and we'll, we'll have some <laughs> socially distanced apple pie. I just uh, planted my first yeah. apple tree. So ah, okay, you know, okay. So I've got I've got a way to wait for the apples to. Yeah, go. you're a few years out from that, but mm-hmm, uh, soon mm-hmm. you too will experience the joys of the fall. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. But yeah, no, most most fun around here these days is keeping up with uh, with the kids and uh, uh, trying to get out uh, outside as much as we can, and uh, we're we're doing all right. Nice, nice. Yeah. I was I was gonna just a bit out of left field. How, sure. When you look at yeah. when you look at across your teams and stuff, and and in the the COVID world environment we've been in, and and where I am in New Zealand, we've just been thrown into a serious lockdown again, which right. is lockdown is very serious here. It means yeah. you, you don't move type thing. And so, yeah. ha, how mental health, not just for you but your teams and stuff, kind of yeah. what are you doing to kind of make sure that you know the the folks that report to you and stuff, you know, are healthy from, sure. a, from a mental point of view? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it, it's something we take real seriously. You know, we have this mantra for Microsoft managers uh, that is, you know, model, coach, and care. You know, and it starts first and foremost with as a manager modeling your own vulnerability, you know, and, and your own yeah. uh, imperfection, you know, I, I, and uh, um, gosh, even just this morning, I was uh, on a call presenting to a huge uh, chunk of the internal team and uh, between kid distractions and a, and a contractor deciding to show up mm-hmm. at that moment with a jackhammer, you know, like just yeah, yeah. just being a real human in the world and, and not trying to be too uh, perfect all the time is uh, uh, sometimes what it what it starts with. And then and then particularly trying to make sure that people are taking time when they need it, being able to step away mm-hmm. and have a listening ear, whether that's from a manager or a, a friend is important. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and we've tried to, to do our best to create kind of virtual communities within the team and space for those types of interactions. Mm-hmm. It, it is real hard when you're not in the same place physically to kind of get people together socially. And, and gosh, we've tried every iteration from one-on-one uh, virtual coffee chats. Mm-hmm, we actually mm-hmm. use a, a power app to match people up internally, you know, all the way up to to sort of small group happy hours and large group uh, events. But, you know, there, there are people on this team that joined the team post-COVID yeah, and have never yeah. met any of their their coworkers. It's a, it's just a totally different world. Yeah. I'm three months into a new job working for IBM and I find the yeah. same thing. I've, I've never yeah. met my, yeah. my coworkers. And yeah. I look at things, it's going to probably be six months before I do. So it's interesting times, interesting times. Absolutely. Well, well I'm sure soon enough you'll have met all the people at IBM. <laughs> <laughs> Only 340,000 of them. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, congrats on the new role, yeah, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, yeah. Power Platform's top of mind for me. So I, I suppose before we, we jump in, tell us about the growth that you're seeing yeah. you know which is really around adoption of the power platform yeah it, it is a it is a crazy growth curve and and uh, you know continues to be a growth curve uh, you know power apps uh, monthly active users uh, looks like a proverbial hockey stick and, mm-hmm. and you know i think particularly has accelerated over the last 18 plus months of you know everybody having to very quickly rethink how they work in a digital world yeah. and and do it without the luxury of time uh, or really the luxury of expertise <laughs> in mm-hmm. what uh, in what and by that I mean not just software expertise but actually you know the, there there have not been a lot of preconceived notions of how we do a lot of these things digitally and so being able to kind of invent it on the fly and iterate through it um, you know with a with a shorter inner loop of software development mm-hmm. has been really crucial to you know, not just the public health response, but really every organization's response to, to the pandemic. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, we're, you know, it is, it is encouraging to see that, you know, under that type of a pressure test, the platform has really held up to its promise for a lot of people. And we've seen just an incredible amount of growth, you know, through that curve. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've been talking to Alan Chai at Slumberjay and yep. they've got something like 20,000 apps and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and use 30,000 uh, flows, you know, under Power Automate. And yeah. they've obviously chosen, you know, I mean, I think they've got 70,000, 80,000 employees worldwide. They've really yeah. committed to this. And I'm hearing more and more stories of where organizations are going, you know what, we've got so many workloads that we need to address using this type of model. And how do we go mm-hmm. about addressing it, yeah. uh, you know, using the Power Platform? What are you seeing around moving away from companies doing an app to doing apps at scale it is definitely a trend and and scale means 
it means a lot of different things to different people. Mm-hmm. You know, there is the the number of developers, the number of apps, uh, also the scale of individual apps. Uh, you know, how many people are able to use a, a single power app and the sophistication of those apps. Mm-hmm. I would say we're seeing expansion on all of those dimensions. Uh, you know, Schlumberger is is you know, was maybe an early leader in that pattern for sure. And, and Alan himself, uh, you know, a very, uh, I would say, ahead of his time advocate of yeah. really, you know, upskilling the entire organization. That is a pattern we are seeing repeating itself across sectors, geographic regions, industries at scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think, gosh, a lot of it is a realization that uh, business as usual is not going to get us to where we need to be. You know, the, the volume of processes in an organization that are not truly digital, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they are spreadsheets and emails and, you know, uh, other types of passive, you know, sort of communication, but they're not really backed by a database addressable with intelligence, you know, securable at scale. The, the volume of things that need to change and evolve is way broader than than what the, the sort of quote unquote traditional methods of mm. build or buy allow for. And, uh, you know, it, it, fundamentally, at some level, this is about changing the economics yeah. of how innovation works inside of a company and and sort of changing who participates as much as what they do. Do you see that there's a tipping point at which organizations are going from, you know, two or three apps, couple of flows yep. to going, you know, like what, what is that ingredient? Is it you get an evangelist inside the, the company? Is it that, you know, the CEO spots it and says, this is what we're committing to kind of, are you seeing any kind of patterns of behavior that takes the one app story or one, you know, yep. a, a bit of power automate, a bit of, you know, RPA inside an account to like, you know, multiple teams working on them, really the the, the whole fusion coming together of yep. resources and yep. and almost a business DevOps process just ongoing of, of backlogs and apps and excitement. Yeah. So I would say there are yeah, still here. So, so with me. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, my yeah, uh, got a little blip on my machine. No, glad, glad we're there. No. I would say there's a couple of patterns, and and sometimes they're not mutually exclusive in an yeah, organization. Yeah. You know, there is definitely the top-down pattern you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a leader within IT or or you know some some similar organization realizes the direction that trends are going and says we need to to really figure out our low code strategy and we need to particularly figure out our innovation strategy and we want low code to be a part of it let's go upskill the organization found a center of excellence uh-huh. get get proactive out there i would say the other pattern is very bottom up you know uh, individuals discover these tools as part of their microsoft 365 subscription they start uh, building things you know there are customers who have amassed five, 10, sometimes 20,000 monthly active users mm-hmm. inside the organization of Power Apps before they really uh, embraced it centrally yeah. and said, hey, we should, we got to do something about this. You know, and, and, and gosh, even then, sometimes the response initially is, is defensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, as, as a lot of folks who have, uh, you know, lived through various generations of low code of the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there there are legitimate you know questions about how do we govern it, how do we organize it, uh, how do we mitigate uh, data loss, how do mm-hmm. we mitigate mm-hmm. uh, repeat work. You know, but but I think a lot of people, even when they initially approach low code from that lens, as they start working with the tools, realize you know there's a lot of value here as well. <laughs> you know, and and, yeah. and 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 you know if we can go. Uh, you know, take hundreds of people who we did not hire as software developers and find ways for them to be productive, solving their own problems, 
we create a massive amount of value inside of the organization. Mm. And at the same time, if we can take the people we did hire to be software developers and and help them become force multipliers with that population, yeah. you know, give that population the ability to make better things, do it faster, and and solve the hard parts that they may not be able to solve themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're getting a higher ROI on the technical staff that we do have as well. Mm. And so there's that kind of compounding value that often we'll meet in the middle. You know, in, in some organizations, you know, those two things have grown independently. You know, we, we've shared some public case studies about T-Mobile. Yep. You know, at T-Mobile, have a massive community internally uh, of Power Apps and, and Power Automate developers. Mm-hmm. You know, lo- many of them sort of organically grown out of the SharePoint community and other M365 user communities. Mm-hmm. And also have certain, you know, flagship applications built by dedicated professional teams yeah. in the organization. And those two efforts in, in many ways sort of independently matured and then eventually converged into a, into a community of practice. So, so I, I would say all three of those routes are possible, top down, bottom up, and, uh, and, and sort of both at the same time. But we're, we're certainly seeing many organizations become more conscious one way or the other about what their strategy for low code is and, and what their, their transformation plan is around it. So good. In line with what we've just discussed, what are the stories that you're telling at the moment? Like, yeah. you know, because stories inspire people, right? They, they, <laughs> they you know, the art of the possible. Yeah. And like, you, you know, you've told a few great stories over the time I've known you, which really kind of opened people's eyes to the vision of, yeah. of, of the art of the possible. Are there any fresh ones that are kind of top of mind for you at the moment? Oh, sure. Gosh, I, uh, you know me, I love a good story, mm. especially when it involves power platform. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of them where we are sort of blessed with really good, uh, really good examples of what people can do in the platform. You know, a, a couple that are, you know, sort of public today, uh, but maybe a little newer on the scene that, that I've been telling as recently mm-hmm. as this morning, uh, you know, there's this uh, dealer, a heavy equipment dealer here, a regional dealer in the U.S. Mm-hmm. called Western States Caterpillar. You know, they, right. they sort of uh, uh, rent, sell and service uh, really large construction equipment mm-hmm. <laughs> across the the western united states and and that team has a fusion team uh, you know a yep. central it backed team of professionals in bi and, and software development who have uh, really activated themselves on power platform and embraced this idea of collaborating really closely with uh, you know business people and citizen developers mm-hmm. um, to the point where you know they've they've been known to to do their software development coding on the retail floor of the equipment dealership, you know, with the users side by side who are going to use the app, changing it in real time, getting real time feedback about how, you know, moving a screen, moving a button increases productivity or Mm -hmm, doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, gosh, to me that as a a software person for a long time, that type of real time feedback is so compelling because, you know, traditionally we have treated users as, as research subjects, you know, mm-hmm. at, a, at a great distance, you know, we go through great lengths to, you know, study them as if they were wild animals yeah, and yeah, yeah. describe, describe all this stuff about them and, and then, uh, uh, you know, come up with something that we think will, uh, you know, be a better uh, mousetrap. But mm-hmm. I think just being able to work side by side with users in real time and, and not show a mock-up, but show the real app evolving is, is just so compelling from an efficiency perspective, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's an, an extra cool thing that the people doing that implementation, you know, have a background uh, with Azure resources, with professional code, and yeah. and because of that, can just do so much with the tools. You know, it's a it's a different kind of efficiency mm-hmm. um, than than purely just building something faster in the coding part. It's really 
it's really the the process part getting faster and and that's pretty darn cool I like it. You know, the, the power platform, what is it? Let's say four to five years old now. And, you know, I've been doing business applications since 2003 when I started, right, mm. with, with yeah. uh, back in CE. And I remember being asked at the time, probably my first year in, because I built a company around it and being asked, like, why are you committing to just this one little area of Microsoft or just Microsoft? <laughs> yeah. Like, do you see a future? And here I am, you know, yeah. a long time yeah. later going, best decision I made. I have people yeah. <laughs> quite yeah. often ask me today, should I pivot my career? Should I get into, mm. you know, building power apps and things like, is there much yeah. runway ahead? Yeah. How do you answer? Is there much runway ahead? Gosh, there is so much runway ahead, Mark. <laughs> I mean, I can't, we've we have we you know I I said earlier the the growth curve of power apps by all counts, both usage and revenue, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, for premium capabilities is you know is a hockey stick. It is a you know exponentially escalating curve, mm. but the total addressable market for what this can be is massive. And and if you go if you go examine, you know, not just the information worker populations of every company on the planet, but mm-hmm. really, you know, anybody with a with some kind of technology in their pocket, whether that's a smartphone or a HoloLens or whatever it is, and, and a job, that user population is massive. It's bigger than anything that even Microsoft 365 serves today. Yeah. And every single one of those employees at some point needs a piece of software from their company. And and so, you know, we are we are really building this, you know, in fact, most of what you know, I spend time on with my engineering team is building for 10x scale of what we are right now. Mm-hmm. And that even that I think is a modest slice of of what we could be just just given the math of of what it takes to serve a market like this. Yeah. It's exciting time. So there's yeah, definitely so much opportunity in this space. When you think about design thinking and we're seeing it associated yeah. very closely with what we do in this space, often I'm asked, you know, how how do you do you spot an area of a business that this technology would lend itself to? And so I would, you know, in the past I've said, listen, if there's anybody, you know, using a clipboard in the business, right? They've got yep. paper-based forms. Yep. Hey, we there's an app for that, right? We can, we can yep. build something for that. Or if you're using critical confidential data in an Excel spreadsheet. Hey, we should, mm-hmm. you know, we, we should put some security governance and do that yep. same type of thing at scale. You know, I was surprised. I was talking with somebody working for the largest, I won't actually, I won't give too much more detail. <laughs> uh, let's say a large airline company. And yep. they yep. they said, do you know what the most common thing all the teams are running with is access databases. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, no way. Yep. You know? yep. And so, yep. and so what, what are you seeing? Like if you were to describe what are the common workloads that people, whether it be a timesheeting app that's backended by SAP, yep. whether it be a, I don't know, a, a request for leave, any of these type of, what, yep. are, what are some common use cases that you're saying, look for these in the account, yep. you know, and, and you'll uncover opportunity. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's it is definitely the right question and one with with a lot of good answers. Although at some mm-hmm. level, uh, you know, the use cases that are truly repeatable across every company on the planet usually already have a piece of software for them. You know, like as yeah, a, as a yeah. as a platform person, gosh, if there is something off the shelf that solves your problem and it's built by a team of developers who maintain it all the time, mm-hmm. gosh, go mm-hmm. use that. Yeah. However, there are categories of problems that tend to be common across customers, but always very different based on the industry you're in. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the opportunities that are really ripe for app development, because to your point, you know, almost by nature, those those very long tail scenarios, as in 
there's a lot of low volume scenarios, you know, yeah, or, yeah. or there's a lot of niche scenarios are the ones that have been most underserved by traditional software development. Hmm. You know, there hasn't been enough of a market for an ISV to really nail it across a wide enough population, or there hasn't been, you know, enough of a, of a business case to go do a traditional software development process internally. Mm-hmm. And yet the aggregate of all those processes add up to a lot of missed opportunity. And, and so, you know, there's certainly the, you know, I would say truly digitizing something that had duct tape there before. And, and there's a lot of duct tape in the enterprise, whether that is duct tape in the form of Access or InfoPath or Excel, you know, and, and not to at all look down on those tools. I mean, people have been using Microsoft software of those of those three varieties and many others to, yeah. to get around what they don't have from their their business software for decades and and actually there's a lot of skills built up there it's it's definitely uh, you know not uh, accidental that we have based the PowerFX coding language on Excel for example as opposed to something else yeah. but what wasn't available before that is available now is to take those skills and put them on a much more scalable and relational and addressable and secure platform, Mm -hmm. you know, which, you know, not only has efficiency benefits for the people, uh, you know, doing that business process, taking it out of a spreadsheet, putting it on a phone or putting it, uh, you know, in the cloud has, has some immediate benefit, you know, right away for the immediate users. But now all that data is addressable in a way that it wasn't before. I can much more easily do business intelligence on top of it, do automation on top of it. And so you get those compounding efficiency loops that uh, just didn't exist when it was purely rows and columns in a, in a silo. And so there's, you know, there's, there's that category for sure. And, and there are certainly use case categories within that, that realm. You know, things that are very common are inspection style scenarios mm-hmm. uh, you know which which are are happen in almost every organization but are always very different you know what it, what it takes to inspect a restroom at Heathrow Airport is yeah. very different from the app it takes to inspect a piece of heavy equipment at mm-hmm. Western mm-hmm. States Cat when it comes back from the rental shop you know so mm-hmm. but they all involve a human walking into a place with a phone or a tablet and and taking some amount of data from the physical world around them and putting it into a system and yeah. then taking action downstream of that you know so that's an example of one very common uh, use case. You know, the other place where we see a lot of room for power platform is the synthesis cases. Okay. Uh, you know, an extreme example of this is uh, our, our friends at Ecolab. Ecolab, massive global organization. Uh, they do uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, water systems, uh, water quality management, mm-hmm. et cetera, for organizations in, uh, around the world, which means their mobile workforce is sort of a mix of a field technician, a scientist, and a seller, <laughs> you know, sort of all in one. And, uh, and, and gosh, they had you know, more than a dozen individual software tools that each person out there in the field had to use and know how to use and know how to find, not all of which worked on a phone, none of which communicated with each other. You know, everything from where am I supposed to drive today to give me data about this customer I'm visiting to let me look up a replacement part, you know, to let me get a guide for how to do this particular procedure, you know, all of those things in disconnected systems. Yeah. Being able to bring Power Apps over the top of a, of a workplace like that and without having to abandon or replatform every single one of those mm-hmm. underlying mm-hmm. services, you know, create that single plane of glass and do it 
very iteratively. Uh, you know, the, the first version of that app was, uh, you know, little more than a set of hyperlinks with a landing page, but over time really started to incorporate all the functionality of those underlying systems. Uh, you know, gosh, an app like that can be massive for the productivity yeah, of totally. uh, the user population. You know, in fact, even at Ecolab, you know, it has not only made workers more productive, it's actually improved employee retention because the tools are better. And that's a, a story we're starting to hear more and more often. Mm-hmm. Wow. So good. I mean, for me, what you've just said is being well worth having this conversation because <laughs> Fair enough. I hope to yeah. 10x that what we've just talked about in, yeah. in, in the yeah. world. Tell me Azure, tell me about Azure yep. and how it's playing more, like I, from an architecture perspective, I understand, you know, where everything sits, but how is it playing more of an active role in the use, let's say in the use of the power platform, yep. so we cover all the workloads. Yeah, how are you seeing it, you know, much more playing a prime time role and and I, fo- I suppose people's skill sets are emerging out into Azure a lot more as part of their Power yeah. Platform skill set. Yeah, you, you definitely see that starting in both directions. You see people who uh, come to Power Platform, build skills, and then mm-hmm. start to start to realize, oh man, I could I could write my own API and I could host yeah. it in an API. You know, and they sort of they mm-hmm. sort of continue that skill journey. You also see people going the other way. You see the developers that uh, you know are used to Visual Studio, have assets in Azure, realize that uh, you know maybe maybe this low code thing is for me. <laughs> you know, after all, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a lot of people from the outside may initially have the opposite reaction. I don't need low code. I, I know how to write code. But but in fact, you know, all we've been doing as, as software professionals for the last several decades is just using better tools mm-hmm. and spending less time rebuilding things from scratch and and more time sort of combining pre-built assets that are best in class for the problem they're solving. And and when you start to look at Power Apps through that lens, it's just another set of tools in the existing toolkit. And and you have a lot of developers embracing that. Uh, in fact, this is not a fact we publicize, but uh, but more than 20% of people who are actively building Power Apps self-identify as a professional developer when you when you survey them. And that trend I think will will continue to grow. I think specific to your question around Azure, you know, we're we're certainly seeing people with existing workloads, be that in SQL or other mm-hmm. other parts of Azure, bring them into Power Platform, continuing to see a lot of growth in that category. Also seeing a lot of growth in you know custom APIs managed and hosted in APIM and mm-hmm. connected to, to Power Platform. And also on the more ops side, you know, seeing people continue to take advantage of uh, things like the DevOps pipelines totally. for, for ALM in, in their processes for, for developing on the platform. So all, all of those are, are vectors of growth and, and really contribute to that sort of fusion team productivity. Yeah, and yeah, totally, totally agree. My last question, which is a multi-part question before we do some wrap-up quickfire, is from your view of things, what's the the opportunity or what's the go-do now for, and here's the multi-part, for people yeah. to become app makers, for companies wanting to scale with apps, and for yeah. general digital transformation? Yeah, so for individuals out there who have uh, you know tinkered maybe or sort of looked at low code from the outside but have not really jumped in, gosh, if you're curious, the best thing to do is is get hands on and try mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, and, and mm-hmm. start to you know find an app in a day session that you can take them yourself, self guided, or you can you can work with you know any number of uh, partners around the world to to schedule a session for your group. Uh, you know, it's just a great early entree <laughs> to, to what all yeah. these concepts are and what they can do for you. And and we've actually versioned that into many different categories you know there's admin in a day there's more advanced maker in a day those types of things and i think those are good sort of early 101s and beyond that sort of 
uh, you know, gosh, bring a problem to the platform. You know, yeah. find find one of those things, one of those Excel spreadsheets, and we all have them. The ones that are so complicated, they they need kind of a user guide, you know, where mm-hmm. they or oh, there's only three people that are allowed to edit it, or you know, as soon as as soon as somebody starts putting instructions into their sheet, you know, that's a good yeah. uh, indicator that it, you know maybe this would be better served by as an app. Uh, you know, just take some t- block out a, a piece of time and sort of you know see how far you can get. And and a lot of people learn a lot through that process. Yeah. Now. There are great resources for learning and upskilling, and we are continuing to invest in those all the time. There's uh, courses at Microsoft Learn. In fact, the the Power Apps and Power Automate courses are some of the most popular content on on Microsoft Learn. There are certification courses beyond that uh, where you can get credentialed as a Power Platform developer. We're actually now working with some universities around the world to implement university curriculum uh, that students can take on on low code. So it's certainly not just a you know self guided hope for the best type of thing. We're you're investing a lot in the experience of being a learner, but at some level, nothing beats getting in there and uh, and giving it a go. You know, for for the the second part of your question for organizations, mm-hmm. you know, this is really about trying to figure out what is your organizational strategy for low code. You know, I think a lot of people look at this from the outside as a technology question, yeah. but there is also a human question and sort of a, a people mm-hmm. structure question. You know, what group will be responsible for monitoring low code, setting up policies and encouraging its use? And how will that group be set up for success? And more importantly, who will they serve? You know, how will they, you know, help individuals within business units and departments become successful on the platform? You know, how will they foster what uh, what analysts are are now calling a community of practice? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not not just a center of excellence of people, you know, in an IT department or similar responsible for for implementing policies, but but how do we actually build up an internal community of practitioners yeah. from business units to help each other? We're starting to see that take off at a number of organizations. You mentioned uh, the great work Alan is doing at, at Schlumberger earlier. That, mm-hmm. that model has uh, certainly replicated itself in in many other places as well. Uh, you know, but but a lot of times those aspects are not obvious <laughs> from from the perspective of of somebody just looking at uh, you know a tech evaluation for one project or you know a response to uh, to a, an organic citizen development movement. And I think those are the really important conversations that a lot of organizations should be having now, if if not already. Yeah, I like it. It's been good talking to you. I always like to wrap up with some quick fire, um, <laughs> okay. which yeah. are, of course, random. Before we do that, is there anyone you recommend from your team or that's that's got a good story to tell at the moment around around the Power Platform? Gosh, a lot of folks on my team have good stories to tell right now. <laughs> I would mm-hmm. say I am happy to connect you with several. Um, awesome. There's some really cool stuff we're doing, and we have been kind of working out loud on this around collaboration for makers. Mm-hmm. You know, we're about to uh, launch commenting nice. in maker experiences, followed by co-authoring. Uh, so there's there's some good conversations to have there on how that experience is evolving. We're also starting to bring more of those experiences to end users as well. And and one of the big trends that you know I think we should all look out for over the next year is is how we make the experience of using a business application become more of a multiplayer yeah. experience. I love it. You know, and we've been on this road for a while. We've done a lot of work mm-hmm. to put power apps and automate in teams, but uh, but there's more to come on that front. So we can we can queue up some good conversations for you like that as well. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, here's your quick fire randoms. All right. If you could build your dream home, what random room or feature would you put in there? Well, guys, now my answer is very different than pre-COVID, but I would uh, I would put a much better home office in than the yeah. one I have right now. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Uh, 
So in that vein, if you could only eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would be on your menu? You know, I've been really enjoying, and and this is nerdy, uh, the meatless burger revolution. Are you <laughs> I'm, serious? I'm a, I'm a I'm a Beyond Burger. I mean, I'm not even a vegetarian, wow, Mark, wow. but uh, but I I for both the climate benefits and the yeah. technology has come a very long way. Wow. <laughs> so I will say, I'll throw you a curveball there. No, that that is interesting. <laughs> I don't know that I could do one every day for the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't know I could do any meal any day for the rest of my life. But yeah. uh, but that's what popped to mind. Nice last one. If you could do anything in the next year as in so no COVID restrictions, no nothing, what would that be? I, I would travel again for sure. <laughs> you know, mm. I've been cooped up in the, I mean, the Northwest is a lovely place, yeah. but uh, but I really miss uh, getting out and about. <laughs> so I would, yeah. I would definitely get back out and about. Totally agree. Yeah. Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Likewise, Mark, thanks for the good questions and thanks for all the good work you're doing in the, in the community. Hey, Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that session with Ryan. I'm your host, Business Application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 Guy. If there's a Microsoft guest you'd like to see on the show, please message me via LinkedIn. If you want to support the show, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 Guy. Thanks and see you again soon.